And I want to start us with a question. What does it look like to be full of the power of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Wonderful. Hey, that's good. Yes. And that's a question that I want to probe here for the next few weeks. We've been looking at Jesus going on retreat and how he's modeling for us this very needed, necessary rhythm of life where he intentionally gets away from the hustle and bustle of life. Even at times he says no to good things. No to good things. To get away and be alone with God in order to fill up with God so that his life pours out good fruit of the kingdom and power of the kingdom. And he is modeling that for us. And we see this very interesting verse at the end of his retreat in Luke chapter 4, where it says this, Luke 4, 14. Jesus returned from his retreat in the power of the Spirit. He returned to Galilee, and a report about him went out throughout all the surrounding country. And as you read on in the book of Luke, you see what happens is Jesus begins his ministry. It starts. So he goes on retreat, and he comes back in the power of the Spirit. And that's just a very intriguing phrase. It says that he was full of the Spirit before the retreat, and the Spirit led him, and he comes back in the power of the Spirit. Luke is a master of language. He is like a short story writer where there's no accidental details. There's no words that were a mistake. There's no adjectives that were like, oops, I just needed a word to fill it in because I was kind of bored and needed to fill up the page. He's extremely intentional. And if you read Luke and Acts, you can see these patterns emerging that he is incredibly intentional under the guidance of the Holy Spirit to write down and help us to see. So one of those is that he wants us to see that after this retreat, Jesus is now full of the power of the Holy Spirit, and that spills out into the beginning of his ministry. And it's a very important question. Okay, so what does this look like to be full of the power of the Holy Spirit? And part of the reason that question is very important is because it's extremely relevant for our life. What does it look like to be full of the power of the Holy Spirit? Because one of our core convictions is that Jesus here, his life is meant to, listen close here on this, it's meant to inspire us towards the kind of life that is possible for you and for me. As we follow him, and as we get empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is a crazy idea right here, that Jesus is the model for normal Christianity. I know this is a weird idea, that Jesus is the model, that Christ is the actual model for Christianity. <laughs> but it is, it's true. 
It's where the word Christian comes from. Little Christs, it means, literally. It comes from the book of Acts. Because the lives of the followers of the Christ were so much like the Christ that it was like, wow, that's that group over there of those little Christs. Man, I long that that would be a reputation that I could earn. Or that God would do in my life. That Wow, people were like, oh, that's a little bit of Jesus there. Jesus is the model of life that we are made for. Except in one area. He's the savior of the world, and we're not. His perfect life and death, 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 death. He heals deaf ears, and we are supposed to participate in that too. But his perfect life and death and sacrifice and resurrection are all things that we don't do. He was sacrificed in our place so that God could be both the just and the justifier because he is God in the flesh, lived a perfect life of obedience and died in our place. So as Romans 4 says, God could be both just in dealing with sin because sin is horrible and sin needs to be dealt with. And at the same time, God can be the one who shows grace and freely give a gift of salvation and forgive everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus. So that is a work we can't do. (laughs) But other than that, Jesus is intentionally modeling for us, this is this new way of life called the kingdom of God. It was actually God's plan from the beginning when he told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion and rule. The idea was fill the earth with God's glory. Be in relationship with me. Get filled up with me so that you fill the earth with my glory. And Jesus is restoring that. He's restoring God's intention that was lost through the brokenness of humanity. And so I just want to start with that of like the good news that like Jesus really actually means it when he says in Luke 6:40 that everyone who is trained by their master will become like the master. That is such an incredible promise that Jesus is inviting you onto this journey where he trains you for what? To do what he does. To become like him. That's a very rabbinic way of life. But he says it's the same except I'm going to show you all of the kingdom of God goodness. But the mindset is there of I'm the master, he says. I know the way of the kingdom, and I want to train you. Everyone, everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his master. That is God's will for your life. That you would continue to say yes to Jesus and go on a journey where you are saying, I want to be trained to be like you, Jesus. That's, that's God's love language, if you don't know. <laughs> it's one of them. To say to Jesus, I want to be trained. It's, it's, you know, it's like that, it, you know, where's, where's Dan Shields in the house? This is that Mr. Miyagi moment. This is that I want to come under your apprenticeship. Show me your ways. You are the master. You are the master of life. 
I want to come under your training and follow in your footsteps. And that's the offer from Jesus. So part of the incredible truth is we glorify God in our lives by having a hunger that says, thank you for what you've done, but I'm not done yet. I know you're not done. Your will for my life is that I would continue to be trained to be more like you. That's, that's a way of worshiping God, to have a holy discontent or a, or a humble hunger for more, however you want to say it. It's hunger for more. So when, when we see the life of Jesus, when we see Jesus full of the power of the Spirit and advancing the kingdom, that is meant to be an invitation for us from Jesus saying, do you want your life to look more like this? Because I want to train you. So there's the invitation for all of us. So with that in mind, we ask the question, <laughs> so what does it look like to be full of the power of the Holy Spirit? What are some of the things that Jesus has wanted to train us in as he's showing us the kingdom way of life and encouraging us to come with him and he's going to be filling us and empowering us with the spirit what is some of this of the stuff that it's going to look like and it's so hopeful so good let's just we're just going to take the first passage after jesus comes back out of retreat in the power of the holy spirit and we'll just we're just going to read it and we're going to see just a couple simple things of what it looks like to be full of the power of the Holy Spirit and how that is clearly something that Jesus is wanting to train us in as well. So let's check it out. This is Luke chapter 4, verse 14. It says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, as was his custom. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him and he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at his gracious words that were coming from his mouth. We'll pause there. It didn't last long. <laughs> Shortly later, they're ready to throw him off a cliff. But we'll pause there for today. So what does it look like to be full of the power of the Spirit? Let's keep it really simple. One thing Jesus models 
is that when you are full of the power of the Holy Spirit or when you are being empowered by the Holy Spirit and being filled up, there is a confidence of God's presence. A confidence of God's presence. You will be confident of God's presence when the Holy Spirit is filling you up. Look at Jesus. He unrolled the scroll. He found the place where it was written. So he went there intentionally. It's not an accident. And he goes to Isaiah 61, which is this messianic passage about the, it's a prophetic messianic passage. So it's a prophecy about the coming Messiah. And Jesus reads it. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then he goes and finishes it and he says, that was about me. <laughs> he finishes the passage and says, that was about me. That is a holy confidence that God is with you. And I'm going to say this. God wants you to have a holy confidence that he's with you. Now, this is not meant to turn into arrogance. But God doesn't want you to walk through life feeling like you're an orphan and God is far away. That doesn't glorify God in the least bit. To know who you are and have your identity secure in him as a beloved child whom God says, I delight to share with you my whole kingdom, it honors God when there's a humble but holy confidence God is with me. I'm not an orphan. But I got a little ahead of myself, so. Jesus, back to Jesus. Jesus models a confidence in God's presence. The Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he says. And then the second aspect of when you're getting filled up and are full of the power of the Holy Spirit is that you will be expectant of God's power. Expectant of God's power. Look at what Jesus says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captive and recovery of sight to the blind, to give freedom to those who are oppressed, to declare the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor, it, it's not just a year, you know, the Bible's clear, years like a thousand years. This is talking about an era that's coming that was promised of God's grace when God's power would be so clearly evident among his people as God is just transforming just every aspect of life that as you look at it, you're like, oh my gosh, God is here. God's favor is changing us. And Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to make that happen. So you're going to see stuff. You're going to see freedom to captives. You're going to see liberty to those who are oppressed. You're going to see recovery of sight to those who are blind. You're going to see the poor embracing good news. God's power will be tangible. 
Jesus is expectant of God's power. Goes right together. A holy confidence of God's presence and expectant of God's power. Those are clear demonstrations that the Holy Spirit is filling you up. That's the first result that's recorded here in Luke of Jesus coming back from retreat where he's going, remember, to be filled up as he battles about his identity and he battles about his mission and he battles about his source of sanctification. The enemy's coming and trying to take away all that stuff. And so he's going and he's, as he's battling through that, securing himself and all of those things, that fills him up. And he comes out with power. And this is what it looks like. A confidence that God is with him and an expectancy of God's power to change the status quo. That when the Holy Spirit's filling you up, the status quo of the broken world becomes not okay. Where it's Jesus is saying all these broken things about people that are being oppressed and they're blind and they're hurting and there's a poverty of physically and emotionally and spiritually. That's not okay for God. It's not okay for Jesus. He's saying that status quo of brokenness and oppression is not going to stand in the Holy Spirit's presence. There's going to be change for the better. So that's a very simple way of seeing the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus. And now I want to take us to the example, the testimony of some of those who Jesus trained and see what their life looks like. Because remember, Jesus made a promise in Luke 6.40. Every disciple who is fully trained will become like the master. So there's this invitation to training, but there's also the reality check that there's a fully training process. Like you could say, sure, Jesus, I'll follow you, and I want to be trained, kind of the Mr. Miyagi picture. I want to, you know, invest my time, effort, and energy. But then, you know, white belt's pretty fun. It's kind of cool. You do some jumping jacks and a couple of little kicks, you know, everything. And, but then maybe yellow belt gets a little more intense, and it's a little bit scary. And you got to take some risks, and you might get a little uncomfortable and so you're like, nah, cool. You know what? That, that yellow belt, that looks good on me. I'm cool. Thanks. Jesus says, if you are fully trained, and really there's nothing in life that, that is valuable that when you're trained in it doesn't have challenge. So Jesus says, when you're fully trained, you're going to be like me. So let's take a look at some of these who endured the challenges and they messed up a lot i love i love how the bible's so very honest about the heroes that are just messed up they said yes to jesus and they stuck through it they persevered well they betrayed him so that's like let's be real about that but but god's grace drew them back and so fully trained does not mean like it's this just you know 
perfect picture of absolute obedience with no questions and no doubts and no betrayals and no mess-ups. Man, these disciples are, are, are a picture of messing up. I mean, Peter himself arrogantly throws his whole team under the bus as Jesus says, you're going to betray me. He's like, all of them will, Lord, but I never will. What a jerk. I mean, I mean, if you're on a leadership team in our church, you're off. Like, that's just, I, you know, that's, that's not good fruit. But look what happens not too long later in Jesus' life, or excuse me, in Peter's life. Acts 3, 1 to 10, when Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, it's called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter, the betrayer, just because it's good to remember, We don't have it all together, and we don't have to have it all together in our past. So Peter, who has been restored by Jesus, anyways, Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and they said, look at us. He fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive money from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Confident of his presence, expectant of his power. Tell me that wasn't all over Peter and John. I mean, it is to a shocking degree. I mean, that's one of the most intriguing passages in the Bible where Peter says to this man, I have no silver and gold, but what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Get up and walk. I mean, this is Peter. This is Peter. He's just a person. Not too long ago, he displayed some very unsavory character traits. And yet, filled up with the Spirit, as we see in Acts 1 and 2, the Holy Spirit comes and falls upon them and fills them up. But that doesn't take away the fact that they have been, for three and a half years, getting trained by the Master, having those character things exposed so God can deal with them all sorts and all over the place. So this combination of letting God transform your character and then that hungry expectation for His Holy Spirit's power has got them to the place where they look at a man who has been lame from birth and they have a confidence in them. 
that God is with them and an expectancy of God's power to move in such a way that they have the boldness to say, what I have, I give to you. Get up and walk. I mean, just put that in your own life. What would it take to feel like that? To be able to see a person who is in some way broken, oppressed, struggling under the power of the enemy and have, to have it to well up inside of you. This humble but holy confidence. Wait a second. I have the solution. It's right here in me. And you know what? I can also give it away. The Holy Spirit wants to pass through me. I am expectant that God's power wants to show up and do something to change the status quo of the broken world to look a little bit more like heaven. It's awesome. This is Jesus training them to look like Jesus. I mean, the power of Jesus... The power of the Spirit in those that Jesus trained looked incredibly similar to the power of the Spirit that Jesus displayed. Look at Mark, or excuse me, Luke 5:24. Jesus said to a man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, get up, go home. It's almost the exact same language. What an incredible example that after being fully trained or very trained, I would say they're not done. They're not yet fully trained. They're still going, but being really trained, going through hard stuff, going through suffering, going through character transformation, and being filled up with his spirit, being trained by Jesus, you could remove Peter and John's names from this passage, and you could put it in the book of Luke, and you could put Jesus's name on it, and he'd be like, wow, Jesus did an awesome miracle. And Jesus is saying, I want your life to look like that. To where you can get to that point where you have a confidence that God is with you, and you have something inside of you that says, I have something to give. I mean, that's weird language, where it's that's, that's language of possession. Like, I have something. It's not outside of me. It's within me. I have it. I know I have it. I mean, how can you not say, wow, that is a, that's either wild arrogance or that is a holy confidence of his presence. It, it, and depending on how you want to look at it, Depending on what filter you come with, you might, if someone's saying that, you might say, wow, that's arrogant. But that's not. That's their learning what it means to be God's beloved children who he has not left as orphans. Jesus himself said that. I will not leave you as orphans. What does he say after that? But I will send you the Holy Spirit. An orphan mindset says, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not valuable. Nobody loves me. Everyone's far away. Everyone abandons me. Jesus says that doesn't glorify God. What glorifies God is when you know you're a beloved child who's been welcomed into his family and the Holy Spirit is upon you 
as a, a royal child. So you now can walk with a confidence. Oh my gosh, he's with me. No, no, really, he's with me. So I see a problem. These guys see a problem and they're like, wait a second. We have the solution. God is with us and we are expectant that God's power wants to and will change the situation. I mean, you see, you see, you see what they're doing here? Before it happens, they've declared their confidence and ex- in, that God's with them and their expectancy that the Holy Spirit will change the situation. What I have, I give to you. Get up and walk. I mean, either it happens or it doesn't happen, right? They took a big, I mean, that's a big risk. It's not coming from nowhere. It's not, stupi- it's not stupidity. It's not blind arrogance. It's not just declaring stupid, crazy things. There is a holy confidence that God is with them and an expectancy that the Holy Spirit will move. That's a training process. The more you're fully trained, the more this becomes a reality. And they know it. Here's one passage where I would say it shows to us that this is not coming from this arrogant place. When they have to explain it in the very next verses, what does it say in verse 12, 11 and 12? Peter saw, everyone's coming, they're like, what the heck just happened? And Peter addresses them, says, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we made him walk? Those tensions are so incredible. They just made a man walk (laughs) that was unable to walk from birth. And they look at him and they say, I have something to give you. Get up and walk. And yet when it's, when it's explained what just happened, they're like, don't look at us weird. We have no power or piety to make this happen. That's it right there. That's that holy tension. They are absolutely confident that God is with them. Absolutely expectant that the Holy Spirit is going to show up and do something. And then when they get pressed, they're just like, what? What's the big deal? I mean, don't look at us. Like, it's not like we got any power. What are you talking about? What do you mean you don't have any power? You just told a guy to get up and walk that's never walked in his life. That's it, man, right there. To be able to feel that, to be able for that to be your reality, our reality. This is so inspiring. It draws us into this world. This is so weird. This is so different. Because in our world, if you do something really awesome, it it puffs you up, right? I mean, that's just the natural, oh, it's me. And these guys have, have, have been with Jesus long enough. They've been trained. They've been through the suffering. They've been through the hard stuff. They've been through the character transformation to where they have this beautiful tension. So confident God's with them. So expected the Holy Spirit's going to move. And yet so genuinely humble of, guys, seriously, don't look at us. It's not our power. Not our piety. So inviting. So inviting. Just gets us, to me, it's like, this just gets me excited. To say, this is the kind of life that Jesus wants for all of us. He wants to invite us into this and say, come and be trained by me so that you can actually be more like this. And I want to encourage all of us, it doesn't matter where you're at on this. 
the invitation is just come and be trained. Take a next step. A next step for you is exactly what God wants you to do. Don't look at other people. There's going to be other people that are what feel like light years ahead of you, and there's other people that are light years behind you. It doesn't matter. It's about taking a next step for you. I'll just share one story for me right now that's a lot of fun that's putting this into practice that as I do it, it feels great, and then it also challenged me to more. So as we started the year, I felt like I was just praying, like, you know, we say 2020, vision. What are those goals? What are those dreams? What is God putting on your heart? What do you want more of? And I felt like the Lord put on my heart this idea of, like, power evangelism, where we get out, we share the good news. Ah, the world needs salvation. So, and I felt like the Lord just saying, so just get out there. Just get out there. Get out into the streets and be available for me. And so that was like a risk. That's like, mm, that's uncomfortable, right? So I'm like, uh, this picture of literally just walking up to people on the street, that's uncomfortable. That's, and, and I, I'm a big believer in, I'm not a fan of Christians being weird. <laughs> like, like. <laughs> And just turning people off just because you're socially awkward and rude. You know, like, I don't see a lot of people coming into the kingdom f with that method. So I'm a little bit, in our culture, it's weird to walk up to people on the street that you don't know. And the walls are up all over the place. So I'm like, Lord, come on. You know, like, that's, that's just not, I'm not really that kind of dude. If, if you got that, you know, anointing in your life and God's blessing that, awesome. But for me, that's like, that's a risk. But, you know, I like taking risks. Not because I like risks, but because Jesus says everyone who's fully trained will be like him. And that's way more valuable than being comfortable. So I'm like, all right, all right, all right. Let's do this. Let's do this. But Jesus said, don't go alone. So I'm praying. I'm like, all right. It was easy. God was just like, Larry, he's fun. <laughs> so I was like, all right, Larry, I got this little idea here. And I, I had, like, said three words in the sentence. He's like, yep, I'm in. Let's do it. So he was the right guy for the job. So we've been going out once a week and just saying, all right, Lord, let's get uncomfortable for you. And the first time we went, I was like, all right, Lord, what, what, what do you want me to do? What's, what's, what's the method here? And it was just a really, really cool moment for me because what I felt like God said was, I, I want you to just briefly share your genuine hope in God, and then ask to pray for them. And, and I'm not saying this is like a method that you all need to use or something. I'm just saying I felt like that's what the Lord was saying. So we get out there, and, and it felt so right because it was, it was just, oh, okay, I can do that in like five seconds. And I don't think that's, you know, horribly uncomfortable for people, and if they want to say no, that's fine. So we, will, we go out there. And just so it's kind of waiting around and just, you know, praying. And Larry's awesome with this stuff. He's, he's ahead of me in this. He's done this a long time. So I'm kind of just, hey, we're working together. But like, where are we, you know? So we're just kind of sitting. Wait for the Holy Spirit to highlight somebody. You know, or like, oh, there's an opportunity. You know, we're not chasing people down. So the car wash was a good place because they're like drying their cars and stuff. Oh, they got, like, they got a few minutes. They're not in a hurry. Anyways. So I walk up to someone. And, and just what came out was this very, very simple thing. And again, I'm not saying this is like, oh, this great method. I'm saying this for me was where I could step into this. I just say, hey, my name's Casey, this is Larry. We're out here today because God has just showed himself so real and powerful in our lives that we're excited. And we believe that God can do something awesome in your life today. 
If there was like a miracle that God could do in your life, what would it be? And, and could we pray for that? And for me, that came out very genuinely. And as I went home and reflected on it, it was like, whoa, it's this. It's this. It, it's my little way in my life. It's this. That I was genuinely confident in that, that his presence is with me. Now, I'll be honest. If I see a, la a, a lame beggar out there who's been, you know, lame from birth, I'm not there yet to where I would say, oh, bam, I've got something for you, buddy. Get up. <laughs> hey, man, the Internet's kind of cool. There are people out there that are at that place today, and they're doing it, and it's awesome. I'm not there yet. But for me, where I was at, it was like, you know what? This is 100% genuine. Like, there is nothing and nobody that could take this away from me. And that's why it felt good. Because it's like, even if I'm rejected, which we were multiple times and not multiple times. We've had some wonderful, powerful prayer times. But even if I'm rejected, it's like, I don't care. Because this is real, like, way real, and you can't take this away. So, it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't feel good to be rejected, but the confidence was just there of like, I know his presence is with me. And you know what? I am expectant of his power. Like literally, I feel it. If you say yes to my invitation, I am expectant that when I pray for you, something is going to change in your life right now. And it's not because I've learned how to pray because I, you know, practice or something. It's like, I'm expecting that the Holy Spirit will show up and just do something right now. Now, I may not be at the point where I was like, ahead of time, I know exactly what it is. And, you know, I could give you, I could walk up to you and I get your name and your address and your phone number. And it's like, hey, God says that your name is this and, and he's going to heal this in you. Dude, there's people out there rolling like that regularly. And it's like, that's awesome. Yeah, that happened too. Don't have enough time for today. Um, but what's, what's exciting, what's exciting for all of us is that that's the kind of stuff, and it's, again, just one step towards Jesus. Where are you at? He wants, I mean, it's, it actually felt really good going out there. And I honestly, I wasn't going out there as a pastor. I'm going out there as Casey, a beloved child of God who loves Jesus and wants to say yes to being fully trained by Jesus. And it felt awesome coming home and, and the results, we did pray for some people and it was very cool and, and I believe God showed up and there is tangible evidence of that. But to be able to come home and just be like, for myself, for me, for where I'm at with God, whoa, this is real. A confidence in his presence, we're not, we are not out there alone. We are not orphans. We have God with us. Like that's real. And then an expectation. If you let me pray for you, I am confident something will happen right now. God will show up and move. And I was like, okay, awesome. More, Lord. Thank you, more, Lord. I want to keep being trained. I want to keep growing. I want, I want you to show me. I want you to show me how I can take more risks. I want you to show me where my character needs to be postured in a way that I carry this well. Look at the disciples, and we'll close with this. So after Peter and John, we're going to come back to Acts 4. After Peter and John do this thing, 
where they show this incredible confidence of God's presence with them, this incredible expectation of his power to move. It causes a, 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 you know, a kerfuffle in Jerusalem. Some people love it. Some people are drawn to it, and some people hate it, which is going to happen. Jesus promised that. Because why? Because it's a spiritual war. So the people that hate it, the leaders in power at the time that didn't like their power being threatened by these uneducated men who were like, you know, taking away people, they bring them before the council and they're saying, stop doing this. This is illegal. They beat them. They, they, they threaten them with prison. They say, stop saying the name of Jesus and doing your Jesus stuff. And so Peter and John, they leave, they go home, and they rejoice. In Acts chapter 4, 32, 23 through 31, it describes this picture of they, they go home and they, they rejoice that they're counted worthy to be named along with Jesus. But then their prayer just, just rocks my world. Listen to what they pray for. We'll pick it up in verse 29. Now, Lord, look upon their threats and give to your servants or grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Wait a second. I thought they were already filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, more, Lord. They were already, I mean, this, who, who's praying this? These are the guys. They were already confident of his presence. They were already expectant of his power. Dare I say, more than anyone in this room, more than anyone I've ever met in person, and yet their prayer was, more, Lord. They were just bold enough to go before the leaders who could kill them and who did beat them and threatened them. They have this level of boldness that's just off the charts and a confidence and an expectation of God's power. And yet, their prayer when they got back home was very simple. More, Lord. More boldness. More of your power healing. Signs, wonders, glorify the name of Jesus in greater measure than you already have. That to me is the posture of a true disciple. Humbly hungry. It's thank you, Lord, but more, Lord. Thank you for training me. I know I'm never in this life fully trained, so I should always have in my heart a cry that says, more, Lord. So, I think that's it. <laughs> so, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And I want to give you guys just an opportunity as a church family. By the way, if you ever want to be a preacher, that ending right there is textbook incredible. Okay. Um, so, 
we're going to pray right now, and I, we're going to have some prayer team folks come up. So prayer team, come on up here and uh, man your battle stations, as it were. Um, we're just going to give an opportunity right now to live out this heart of a disciple that says, no matter what I have experienced of God, I want more, Lord, more, Lord. And so I want to encourage us that that is meant to be the cry of our heart until the day we go home to be with Jesus. And so one way right now that we can just live that out in a response is I want to encourage people. We're just making a quick little prayer tunnel. And all the idea is, is that you would just make a little line and just walk through with a heart before God that says, more, Lord. That's it. More of your Holy Spirit in my life, growing me in a confidence that you are with me and an expectation that your power will change me and flow through me. And so I asked the prayer team to just, it's, it's like a little, speaking of car wash, this is like a little Holy Spirit car wash. You know what I'm saying? Just come on through and let the, let the Holy Spirit bless you. So honestly, I ask these guys, nothing, nothing complicated. Just pray, Holy Spirit, more, Lord, just bless them. Why would we do that? Oh, because the most powerful disciples on the planet did it. <laughs> when they came home from a victorious battle, their heart was not, dude, did you see me out there, John? I crushed it. Dude, I, like, that was like Jesus. Remember when Jesus said we'd be like him? I did. I did it before you, John, which is not a surprise because I'm the best, I'm the best disciple. Like I told Jesus I was going to be. No. They all got together and said, more Lord. So that's what we want to do right now. It's not complicated, not simple. Let me pray. We'll open it up. These guys are just going to sing a little worship song, as these guys are already doing. It's just quite simple. Just kind of walk through. Seriously, like a car wash pace. Just, you're the car. Just keep walking through. All these guys are going to do is just bless you. Maybe put a hand on your shoulder and say, Holy Spirit, bless them. More, Lord. So whatever God wants to do, whatever that more might be, you leave that up to the Lord. More, Lord. Maybe you bring in something, Lord, I need more of this. And you just, by faith, you're grabbing it. Yes, Lord. If these guys hear something specific from the Lord, a quick little thing, they might just say it. More joy in your life, if that's what they're feeling, if they feel like the Lord's giving them something specific. If not, that's okay. More of the Holy Spirit's a good thing in general. He can take care of the specifics. So that's it. Very simple. Just a heart for more. So let me pray, and then want to encourage you as we close our time just to take a fun little walkthrough. Holy Spirit, we just thank you so much, God, that you are real. You are personal. You're powerful. You're present. Thank you for the model in, in Jesus, in Peter, in John, that you want us as your beloved children to grow in a confidence that you're with us, a humble confidence that you're with us, and an expectation that your power will be with us and flow through us to change our lives and the world around us to be more like your kingdom. So we pray, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and have your way with your beloved people. Train us to be like you, Jesus. God, we just want to thank you right now that your rivers of living water are here, that you are present. Your rivers of living water are present to wash, to heal, to make whole, to restore. 
to revitalize, to refresh, to embolden, and to lift up. We thank you, Jesus, that you are lifting us up today. We thank you for those rivers, God, and I ask that everyone would experience a touch, a powerful touch of your presence as they walk through this river. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Sing a new song. I will sing a new song. I will dance a new dance like David.